comfort and power in the Spirit of the Lord. Holy Spirit, you are moving in this place. Let us continue to feel you and feel your presence as you draw us nearer to the foot of the cross as we open up God's Word to be preached this morning. Let the words trip from my mouth be of you, O Lord, and not of me, and anything that is on my agenda today, if it is not of you, strike it from our memory. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen. Please be seated. Well, what an exciting day to uh, worship as we open up the book of Acts and we begin our journey. And, uh, and to do so, I would like to, if you were here last year, or last year, goodness, if you were here last Sunday, I'm going to ride this marching band metaphor out just one more time if you all don't mind. I think there's too many people in this room, in this area, who didn't believe that I was a drum major. <laughs> So anyways, yes. So as my time in marching band, if you've ever, raise your hand if you've ever been in a marching band. Raise your hand. If you've been in a marching band before, you know. Awesome. Wonderful. What'd you play? Clarinet. What'd you play? You're a majorette. Nice. Drums. Yes, you are. You are a drummer. What are it? Snares? Quints? Snares? We could have an own marching band here. This is great. Well, anyways, as so this is, let me, let me open up to a window of marching band. So in the month of typically July and then in August, seriously in August for about two weeks, this is my school, for two weeks in August at the hottest part of Pennsylvania. It's the only time that it's like really, really insanely hot, just like here in Ohio, in the dead part of August. We're outside learning the show. And the way that you learn the marching band shows, you get a little drill chart, and it's got like like coordinates on here on the field where you go and you find where you're supposed to be, you put a dot down, and then it tells you how many steps that you have to get from one dot to the next, and that's what you do until you learn this entire show. And it's got to be memorized. You don't get to march with your little chart on the, on, on the thing here, and that wouldn't help you anyway. It's just a bunch of numbers. And you have to memorize the music. And so by August, like, all of this has to be kind of comes together in these two weeks. Well, there was, a, there was an exercise that us drum majors or even the band directors would do, at least in my school, is that towards the end of us learning and, and memorizing, every once in a while, we as drum majors were instructed by the band director to step off of the podium while the band was still playing. And the reason why is that they wanted the, the band to listen to each other, to realize that they have all the necessary tools. They have been taught the show. They have been taught the music. They have it with inside them. The drum major has started them, has set them off on their pace, and now they could possibly maneuver through this show and get a little bit stronger, trusting in what they have been taught without the drum major up front flapping his arms or her arms back and forth. It was a great exercise, some panic for sure, but it's how you begin to kind of get this show and get the music inside, inside your bones. They had to trust and listen and rely to each other. They had to hear how their parts fit into other people's parts and how, how the show all came together, how everyone had a, their unique um, song, part of the song to play, and that it comes into this great or orchestra of, of music. It's just, it's just a sight to behold. They can move without that metronome in front of them. Today, we are going into, we are marching into a new sermon series. And the sermon series is called The Book of Acts and Living Out 
our firm foundation as Christ Church. And I thought, well, maybe we should strike out living out and put in marching out, but then I feel that we would just be beating this metaphor to death. So we're just, you know, living out our firm foundation as Christ Church to focus in on the early church, to see the movements, to see the leadership, the choices, to see how the Spirit moved, what did they value, what did they encounter, how did they respond to trials and, and persecution? How did they march on with this great movement of church without their drum major present? Because Jesus steps off the podium, as we'll see today, and have them still be successful and launch the most formidable transformational movement called the Christian church in all of human history. You see, sometimes we... we complicate church sometimes. The past few decades, what, what churches have really tried to do in terms of getting people to be in these, in these pews, we do fall festivals, we do Easter egg hunts. You know, there are churches that bring in helicopters to drop Easter eggs in the name of people, please come. And they do all of these things to really try to get folks to come. And I think we, we kind of complicate it. And so what we'll see in the book of Acts, they didn't have helicopters. They didn't have Easter, egg, Easter eggs dropping down. They didn't have grandiose buildings, projector screens, bulletins. They didn't have all that. What did they have? They had the gospel. They had the gospel. They had the Holy Spirit. And they had each other. And within each other, there was the mutual building up in the Lord, the discipleship of each other in the Lord, the fellowship, the investing in one another. They had very simple things for a profound purpose profound movement. Now the takeaways for us, how can we experience a dressing up and down of sorts? If you remember last week I said there was sometimes where the drum major would call the band to attention and they would dress them up and down. They'd, they'd ask them how their posture was, how their head was, how their backs were, all the things. Maybe we need a dressing up and down of sorts from the early church. The truths and commands and teachings and instructions that haven't changed, even though our world has changed, the gospel and the, the commands of Christ stay true. They don't change. And so we ought to listen to them and follow them. How can we as a church root ourselves then on that firm foundation? So that's, that's the, the launching point of getting into Acts. Today we open up to Acts chapter 1. We're going to go through this rather slowly. We're going to go and, and just kind of chip away at it. And even in, as I realized, as I put this message together, I realized that the section that I picked, verses 1 through 11, you could possibly even dissect down even more. But I've already planned out to November, and so Jesus just has to get on board with me. No, no, but I, just, <laughs> but I mean, it, there's just so much. There's just a rich, there's rich stuff here. So we'll take our time. Okay, and, and as we see here, we open this up to Acts 1, and it is a connection. It is a bridge to Luke chapter 24 at the end. Those of you who may not know, the Gospel of Luke, written by Luke, also wrote Acts. And it is a volume 1, volume 2 of sorts. And so the beginning of Acts, he connects to what he finished in, in, in the Gospel of Luke in verse 24. And as we see, our 11-ish disciples are, they're not fully 12, they, they are now standing on the precipice of a great launch, of something huge that's going to happen. A great promise is being made that's going to change their lives and our lives forever. 
And as I said, Jesus steps off the drum major podium. He bids farewell, but not quite. He steps away his physical presence, but in so doing, the disciples, and by extension, us, the faithful followers of Christ, we are invited to step out into greatness because of the promise he makes about the Holy Spirit. Today, if you have your journals, you want to open it up at the very top, your takeaway from this morning of this verses 1 through 11 is this. As Jesus steps away, we, the disciples, anyone who calls themselves a follower of Christ, we are invited to now step out into greatness. Invited to step out into greatness. Now listen, the first thing that I'm going to talk about, I'm going to divide this into two points. You've got your journals. If you want to write in your journals, you can. If you don't have a journal, that is fine. I'm going to look at the first part of this as Jesus stepping away and talk to you about how this is a rite of passage for the disciples and a, and a message, a kick in the pants for us. And then the second part of this message, we're going to look at how, now what does this mean for the body of Christ? What does it mean for us to do even greater things in Jesus' absence? So now, are you all ready? I want you to imagine yourselves standing on a cliff of sorts on the precipice of something great. Because what Acts, the book of Acts is, is the Acts of the Apostles, but really it's the Acts of Christ moving the church now into a global movement. We are about to step off into something immensely great, and our drum major has stepped off that podium. But it is okay because of what he promises. As Jesus steps away, we are stepping into something great. Let us jump in. Look at the book of Acts, Acts 1, 1 through 11. Here we go, everybody. Let's start our journey. So the book of Acts, verses 1 through 11, in the Bibles in the pew, page 180, pages 6 to 8 in the journals, or just listen. In the first book of Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during the 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God, the 40-day span of time from resurrection to what we're about to witness right now. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to, to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, okay, so is this the time then that you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? The disciples, still very 11-ish, still very stunted, though they're getting instruction in these 40 days, this last-minute teachings from Jesus to have them launch, they still don't quite understand what Jesus is saying here. They're still thinking that this is about, about them becoming the great Israel nation. And Jesus is looking at them and like, this is not about you becoming the great Israel nation. This is about the kingdom of God becoming great in this world to the ends of the world. So he says to them, uh, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. 
But listen, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Now when he had said these things as they were looking on, he's lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, now I picture this scene of, of like, you know, heavenly choirs of angels behind them and they're seeing this great like, oh, he's being ascended. And then these two angels come and you ever hear that part where the record like stops or goes like that? That's what's happening here. There's a record stop. And the two men said, men of Galilee, why are you standing here looking into heaven? This is Jesus who is taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. And what's implied here is like, why are you standing here waiting for him to come back? Or come? This is now your time to skedaddle and go and wait and do as he said for you to do because something great's about to happen. So let's dive in here. So what is happening here with these disciples? As I said, they come in very leavenish. They're coming in very stunted. They're receiving instruction, the last bit of instruction from Jesus before he sends them out, before he sends the Holy Spirit to them, before he steps off the podium and rises to heaven. This is a rite of passage for disciples. And in fact, all of us have to have this type of rite of passage. In the book of Hebrews, there is this uh, metaphor that's talked about how when you become a new believer, all you do is drink milk. And it's very likened to a baby nursing from a mom. When a baby nurses from a mom, the baby is getting all, the, it's dependent on the mother for all the nutrition, all the sustenance that it needs for its survival. It's a great symbiotic relationship that, that happens between the two of them. It's a beautiful thing. But then what is also happening, which you don't realize, is the baby is also learning how to swallow. The baby's also learning to figure out, okay, I'm full, and how do I push away? It's learning key things about becoming a self-sustainer for nutrition until such a time where the baby weans, and now the baby is able to eat steak. <laughs> don't, but that's, that's what it is in Hebrew. You get off milk and you start eating meat. If you're a vegetarian, you know, substitute in portobello mushroom, that's fine. We had our kids eating steak right now. Uh, but that is the journey. It's the rite of passage. So Luke says at the beginning of Acts here to Theophilus, whom he's writing to, he says, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up, after he had given commandments through the Holy Spirit to the apostles to which he's chosen. He's saying, the Gospel of Luke, my first volume, is really milk. It's really how the disciples were with Jesus for that hyper-focused three-year time period, getting everything that they need from him and witnessing all the stuff that's happening and has happened, death, resurrection, you know, and now this ascension. So this, this first part, of that, that first volume of the Gospel of Luke, that's all milk to those disciples. Now comes this rite of passage where now they have to wean. They have to come away from that because Jesus is saying, I have got to go. The title of the sermon series is, or sermon today is Knowing When to Exit. Jesus is like, I got to go. And it's not that he's saying to them, okay, peace out, you're on your own, gotcha, and I'm out, and now he's up here in heaven just chilling with God. 
No, he, he is saying to them, I, I need to go. It is good for me to go. I have to go so that you can cross this rite of passage. For the 11 to now, as we'll see next week, become the 12. To stand firm on the foundation of all that he taught. They have the tools. They have what they have witnessed. They have been set on pace and they have been given a promise, a profound promise that says, I will be with you always because they're never truly alone. Several texts in the scriptures tell us this. Apart from Christ, we can do nothing. Behold, I will be with you always. Walk in a manner worthy of your calling, meaning emulate and follow after Christ. Be imitators of God. All of this happens, this is all through scripture, this all happens only by the fact that he leaves and the Holy Spirit comes. And now instead of having God with us, beside us, and amongst our company, we now have God in us, who abides in us, who has become a open door refrigerator person, if you remember that. Remember that example where I said to have the relationship with Christ is like going to your parents' house and being open to open the refrigerator door and just helping yourself. That type of relationship. That's what abide means, to abide in him and him in us. And so that is, needs to happen for us to cross over and come into eating meat. The other way that I can think of this that it just happened in our lives is Clara going to kindergarten. We have poured into this girl for five years. There's more to come. So this is the, the first like significant independent stage, right, going to kindergarten. And as a parent, you pour into them, you teach them how to be kind to one another, you try to teach them how to handle when, when people make fun of them, like we gave her the advice, if, if you fall down or something happens, you know, just laugh, at, laugh with them, that kind of thing, you know, we're just trying to help her how to be a part of society. And then, and then the scary thing is, is that I have to send her into the building uh, by herself, you know, preschool and other things, you could possibly walk her to the room. But now I send her in, and she doesn't care. She's like, bye, Dad, I'm out. She tried to open the door as I was driving. I'm like, you need to settle down. You just need to. There's a hug that has to happen. There's things, you know. As she goes in that first day, she got lost getting to her room. You know, and they, they help her out. But I said to her, my teacher, I'm like, you have, to, you have to begin to know your surroundings. You got to know where your classroom is. You got to remember how to get from cafeteria to classroom and so on and so forth. If I were to accompany Clara every day to school, that would stunt her growth, would it not? There would be some serious attachment issues. And I would look silly trying to sit in those little kindergarten chairs. Would I do it for her? Absolutely. But is it appropriate? Is it healthy? Does it help her grow into the next phase that she needs to grow into? I have to trust that she can stand on what I've taught her so far. Now, the metaphor breaks down because as a human parent, I cannot be ever present with her. There is going to be times where I won't be there, and one day, hopefully long from now, where I'll be gone. Some of you have experienced that already. You both parents have, have gone on to be with the Lord, and here you are on your own. But Christ says to them in this great promise, I have to go, but I'm going to send you my Holy Spirit. I'm going to send you the Spirit to abide in you. Look at Acts 4 through 8. 
Chapter 1, 4 through 8. Look back here. Look what he says. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. It's the baptism of the Holy Spirit there in verse 5. Verse 6, they come together, they ask that question, is now the time for Israel? He's like, no, you don't understand. Verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and into the end of the world cross over. When you become these 12 apostles, the Holy Spirit will come as promised, and it will prepare you, and most importantly, empower you to take this message to the streets, to go global with Christianity. In the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verses 8 through 21, Jesus gives them the instructions of what the uh, Holy Spirit is going to do. If you were to turn there or just listen, verses 8 to 21, he gives them the instruction of the Holy Spirit. Philip said to them, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. And Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, or else believe on the account of the works. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do these things, and greater works than these he will do, because I am going to my Father. Whatever you ask in my name, I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Verse 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments and walk Ask, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you, and he will be in you. And he says in John 16 that it's good that I go so that you get the Holy Spirit. This is a rite of passage for us all. We can't just sit here and survive on milk. You can't just sit here and survive on coming into church on a Sunday morning and hearing a message and being like, okay, I'm great, and leaving and not having any change to your rhythm of life whatsoever. That is not good enough anymore. That is not, that is not where you're at. If you are just starting the faith, then absolutely soak it all in. If you are now more mature in your faith, it is time to take to the streets. It is time to bear witness to Christ. It is time to do those things, trusting in the power of the Holy Spirit that dwells inside of you. There is a movement that has to happen. Jesus steps off that drum major um, podium and he gets them to go, to trust and to move in the pace that he has set for them. Now, the second part to this whole promise, the second part to all of this is that we jump off and start moving. And as Jesus says, you'll do greater things, the body of Christ is now prepared for greatness. And how is that so? I was listening to a sermon from Tim Keller who called the ascension of Christ. That's the time in Acts where Jesus is taken up by a cloud into heaven. He calls the ascension of Christ the detonator. If you think about making a tunnel, you have to put explosives into the mountain and it has to explode and, and expand out so you can put the road through it. Well, what good are those explosives if there's not a detonator? 
The ascension is an often overlooked moment in the life of Christ. We typically go death or birth, death, resurrection, and we pay a little nod to the Pentecost time, and then who knows what we do after that. But we forget about the ascension part. And the ascension part is the detonator because as he leaves, the Holy Spirit comes and empowers the body to do insanely great and awesome things. He says to them, the Holy Spirit will come and you will be what my witnesses, not just to Jerusalem, but Jerusalem, Samaria, Judea, and all to the ends of the earth. In other words, what he is saying here is that if you call yourself a follower of me and you're sold out for me and you've received the power of the Holy Spirit, you cannot keep this good message right here. You have to take it to a global perspective. No matter race, no matter what everything, it goes out and expands. And that is why it has been so successful. Because the Holy Spirit has been with them the entire time. You are not called to be the harvest of souls. You are not called to be the harvest, to to have the harvest happen. What I mean by that, you are not called to, to take somebody and make the connection for them that they would believe. That is for the Holy Spirit to do. What you've been called to do is to witness, is to model, is to invest, and is to march with this good message wherever he may take you to go. My last marching band metaphor is this. In marching band, there's a time sometimes in the show where you see everyone kind of marching around, and it's not really making sense. They're just kind of marching around. They're playing. The song's still playing. Everyone has their unique part that they are that they are performing, and it all works together until such a time where they all of a sudden come to a line that looks like this, this straight line that spans the length of the football field. And when they do this, it's called a company front. Let me show you. And this is the company front. To hear this live is insane. This is a drum corps international band, and I live for the company fronts because the wall of sound that comes from the band when they do this, where all the horns now point to the front of the the stadium, and they play this song, and you are hit with this sound. And you saw the stands, they're all up and they're clapping. It's this major moment. What Jesus is saying here to the church at the precipice of something great, he is saying, I am going to give you my Holy Spirit. It is going to empower you to take this global. And as you add more and more people to this band, teaching them their own unique song and how it fits into the great orchestration, there will be a day when all of this will come to the church's company front and the gates of hell will not withstand against it. This is the launch. Live for that company front moment. 
And there's times throughout history where we see that kind of happen, and there's revivals, and you can tell, like, oh, all the church universal, they are moving together, and it's great, and people are being added. But it won't happen until the very, very end of the day when that kingdom comes, and we all line up, and that drum major gets back on that podium, and we lock in place, and we march forward. If you are a faithful follower of Christ, you are his witness. And not just a puny witness, you are empowered by the very triune God through his Holy Spirit, who dwells not next to you, beside you, in you, and convicts you and continues to teach you all the things that you've already have witnessed and have learned through the Holy Scriptures. It's good that Jesus steps away. Because as that Holy Spirit comes, and I don't want to get too far into Pentecost because I'll preach that sermon right now, but as the Holy Spirit comes, we are prepared to do even greater things with this movement called Christianity, called Christ followers, where Jesus is the Lord. Let us pray. Gracious Lord Jesus, I thank you. Thank you that you give us each an instrument to play and that each of us... (laughs) are uniquely designed with specific gifts that you've given us, empowered by that Holy Spirit to to play the song, to play the part, so that people would hear it, hear that sweet music, and they would want to come and they would want to play too. And we just keep adding and adding and adding to this number by your hand and by your will until such a day when we all line up together and we play the song and it blows the roof off this world, and the gates of hell come toppling down, and we reign victorious under the true King, Jesus the Lord. Let us see this today at the start of Acts, that this is the vision of where we're marching towards. And it's not going to be easy, and there will be seasons of persecution and trial, and there'll be times of where we're thinking, is there any hope? But let us remember that when we feel this way, We can always reside with you who resides in us and be reminded, be reminded of the truth of the gospel that will not fail. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.